The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress Technical difficulties seem to be my life these days. We're broadcasting live on 780 AM here in Washington, D.C., but we're also on YouTube. And I'm struggling with both sound and video today. I pray you can hear clearly. Mr. Producer, if... There's a problem with the sound. Please let me know. I have a topic today that I need to speak with you about that is a very difficult topic for me. Perhaps not for you. I've had occasion over the last days to speak with several people. And they have been people who have listened on a regular basis to this broadcast. But as the broadcast has been very clear about the need to totally surrender to Jesus, many have become uncomfortable with this. And I've had people text me, even on the phone, say, I don't listen anymore. Why? Well, because they have a life history. They have a life history of becoming concerned about their salvation 
beginning to read the scriptures, beginning to pray, beginning to understand what God is expecting. And then the devil comes against them with friends or family and says, you know, that's not right. You know that everybody is loved unconditionally. You know that we're on our way to heaven, all of us. We're all going to a better place. And so they grow discouraged. And they give up the fight. If I were to turn, and please let me just do this. I'm going to go quickly to the book of Revelation. And if you look at the beginning of the book of Revelation, you have Jesus coming and and giving very specific direction to the seven churches of Revelation. I want to read just a couple of things that he said to these seven churches, and he said to every one of the seven churches. Now, I wish in some ways he did not said this, because it has made my life very uncomfortable. But if you look at his message, the church at the church at Ephesus let's just take that one as an example chapter 2 verse 11 he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches he who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death in other words if you don't overcome you will be hurt by the second death That's the church at Ephesus. The church at Pergamum, he says the same thing. Verse 12, I'm sorry, verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. The church at Thyatira, verse 26. This is Revelation 2, 26. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end. If you look at the angel to the church at Sardis, he says the same thing. Verse, chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. What is dressed in white? We learn later in the book of Revelation that those are the righteous acts of the saints. You look at the church of Philadelphia. Not one rebuke is given to the church at Philadelphia. Verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And if you look at the final message to the church of Laodicea, verse 21, 
to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father at his throne. When did Jesus overcome? Well, he overcame the devil. But then he had to overcome in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had to give way in the Garden of Gethsemane to the Father's will. Jesus said, isn't there another way? But finally he had to say, not my will, but your will be done. Well, please, if we begin to look at all of these passages of Scripture, it becomes very clear that there is a war that we must engage in. And we have so divided and so splintered our minds, we have given so much room to the foolishness of this world that it has reduced our strength and our ability to stand. That's why yesterday I said the chief task of the Christian in today's culture is to reclaim their heart. Remember, Samson gave Delilah his heart. Well, you can't give Delilah your heart and give your heart to Jesus Christ as well. So there is a war. The war is real. Some of you have been lied to and you have believed that you only need to say, I believe in Jesus and you're saved. Well, people listening to this broadcast have seen in the scriptures, as I have shown you, I mean, I, Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verse 17, therefore come out from them and be set. I don't want to come out from them. I don't want to be separate. I want everybody to love me. No, there's a war on. That war is being fought right now in your life. I just got a a text this morning. I, I don't think this dear brother will mind my sharing this with you. I just I just got this text this morning. He said I can't take this anymore because I'm getting ready to sabotage everything right now. I text him back. I said, no, my dear brother, don't sabotage anything. Give yourself up to Jesus, a heaven to win. Come to your senses. That's what I text back to him. There's a war on. If you don't recognize the war, and and I'm saying this because People have been giving and supporting this radio broadcast and then suddenly they stop giving and they stop supporting and they disappear. I know what's happened. They step back into their, into their life. They've heard all they can stand to hear. They don't want to hear that there's a war. They want to hear it's peace, it's love, it's prosperity. Enjoy your life. No, there's a heaven to win and a hell to miss. I woke up this morning saying, 
no. No. I'm not going back. I'm not turning aside. If no one listens to this broadcast and no one goes with me, I am still going to go through. I will go through alone if I must. But I also thank God for those of you who are faithful before him. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. See, I know, I know how hard the war is. I've lived in it a long time. And to be honest, I have tried to turn back a number of times to a a more restful, successful place. And yet Jesus keeps calling me forward, keeps calling me on. I'm going to share with you some things today that may startle you. Second, second Corinthians, second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that word new in the Greek means never existed before. A new person, a new creature, a new, a new life. How do you get to that new creature, that new life? Well, you can't create it yourself. God has to do it in you. But you must submit. You must go all the way. And that's why there's a book. Remarkable Incidents and Modern Miracles Through Prayer and Faith by by G.C. Bevington. I have another one there and it's worn out. I've read it and read it. What happens? He tells the stories of how he would go into an area, a Methodist pastor would ask him to come in and preach a revival series, and so he would go in and begin to preach about holiness and about sin and, and getting right with Jesus. And, and people would begin to come forward, get on their faces before God and pray through to victory. Sometimes it would take them five, six, seven, eight hours of prayer before they got through. Some it would take, especially with pastors, sometimes as much a week as a week of prayer. Crying out to God. Now these are godly people. These are, these are good Methodist people. But they still walked in their old, old way. They still had a divided heart. Their heart was splintered. Part of it was for their farm. Part of it was for their family. Part of it was for money or power or prestige. They had to pray that through until it was finished. 
How do you deal with demon spirits? You pray them out. How do you deal with pride and and gossip and all the other sins of script? How do you deal with You pray them out. I don't have any formula of, no, you have to do this. And no, you get on your face before God and you stay there until your heart is whole in Jesus Christ. Now, this has been a problem. This has been a big problem. Go back with me to John, the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. The Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. Jesus says in John six forty-eight. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the desert and they died. This is the bread coming down out of the heaven that anyone may eat of it and may not die spiritually. I, I am the living bread having come down out of heaven. If anyone may eat of this bread, he will live eternally. And yet the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give in behalf of the life of the world. He's speaking spiritually. He's not speaking of cannibalism. He's saying, you have to eat the flesh of Jesus Christ. So the Jews were disputing with one another, saying, how is this man able to give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you may eat the flesh of the Son of Man and may drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is truly food, and my blood is truly drink. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood remains in union with me, and I in union with him. In other words, when we are eating the broken body of Jesus and when we are drinking the blood of Jesus, we have totally left this world. We are no longer divided. You don't go back to your wine or your liquor. You don't go back to your sex. You don't go back to your ambition. You don't go back to your anger and and hostility and gossip. You don't go back. Which of us has not gone back? I have. I've gone back to my sin. I'm not now. I will not go back. I am going to walk free in Jesus Christ. I want you to walk the same way. But I want you to see the trouble that this caused. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father... The one eating me, even though that one will live because of me. This is the bread having come down out of heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and they died. The one eating this bread will live eternally. Verse 60. 
Then many from among them, his disciples, after having heard this, said, This word is hard. Who is able to hear it? Now Jesus, having known in himself that his disciples are grumbling about this, he said to them, Does this cause you to fall away? What then if you may observe the Son of Man going where he was before? The Spirit is the one making alive. The flesh does not profit anything. The ramas, the breathed word of God that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are certain ones among you who are not believing. In fact, Jesus had known from the beginning that there are the ones not believing, even even who was going to betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one is able to come to me unless he been given to him by the Father. Because of this, listen to this, because of this, many of his disciples went away to the things that lie behind. And they walked with him no more. This is not a new battle. We want to please our wife. We want to please our husband. We want to please our boss. We want to please ourselves. We don't want to engage in the battle We don't want to give up our love and our lust for the things of the flesh or the world or the devil. We want to keep Jesus at a safe distance from ourselves, and yet we want Jesus, but we don't want Jesus. Do you hear me? We want Jesus, but we don't want Jesus. We have a splintered mind. We have given our heart and our mind to certain things, and we've given our We've given our heart to darkness. And then we say, oh, I I just can't help myself. I'm helpless. So I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. And if I die, I die. If I go to hell, I go to hell. It's okay. No, it's not. Hear me. Do something. Get in the fight. Get your mojo back. Get involved again with the Lord Jesus and don't turn your back on him for anybody, for any reason. You can't go to heaven on your husband or wife's coattail. You can't go to heaven on a friend's coattail. You've got to go by way of the throne of God where you will face the judgment bar. And if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life because you have not overcome, you will lose heaven and you will face hell. I know many who listen to this broadcast turn aside. I see it in in their giving. I see it in in their not calling me anymore. I see it in their 
no longer texting me or asking me any questions. They're gone. I know why. They have a comfortable faith. They think they've worked it all out. They think they're on their way, but they still are compromised. Religious pride is deadly. Religious pride, judgment, accusations, they are deadly. My brother, my sister, don't turn back. Because of this, many of his disciples, please, these are disciples of Jesus Christ. Not the 12, or should I say the 11. One of the 12 will also turn aside and commit suicide. Because Jesus wouldn't do what he wanted Jesus to do. Jesus was not interested in power or position or money or influence. He was there to represent the Father. I am here, my brother and sister, not to speak pleasing words to you and not to build some great empire. I am here simply to speak the words of Jesus as honestly to you as I can. And if you don't like these words and you go somewhere else, I pray the Lord will not leave you, but will keep calling after you. You will be weighed in the balance, and if you are found wanting, you will not enter heaven. The battle must be won. Listen. Then Jesus said to the twelve, You do not wish to go away, do you? Are you going to leave too? Everybody's leaving. Nobody will agree with what I have said. Everybody's leaving. It must have been a, a very difficult time for Jesus. I don't know how he dealt with it. Because people are not leaving me. I don't take it personally, but for Jesus, it was very, very personal. Your salvation is very personal to Jesus. He died for you. You want to go back to your drugs? You want to go back to your fornication? You want to go back to your pornography? You want to go back to your alcohol? You want to go back to that comfortable American lifestyle of the rich and the famous? You want to go back to your entertainment? Why? What is there in hell that you want? Why would you go back to the garbage can and dig through it and say, Oh, I found some delicious food down here in the garbage can? No. Jesus is the bread of life. You're not going to find life anywhere else. You're not going to find life in the movies. 
You're not going to find life in some comfortable little church where the pastor pets you on the head and says, there, there, you're a good little boy or a good little girl. You're not going to find life where there's no confrontation and no battle with sin. I want to say, man up. Man up. Take a stand for Jesus. Don't back off. Say, no matter what, I will serve Jesus. And to do that, many of you, please hear me, many of you are going to have to collect the parts of your heart that you've given away to the world, to the flesh, or to the devil, to your entertainment, to your lifestyle. You're going to have to go back and collect those parts of your heart and get on your face before Jesus and give him every part of your heart. Now, there are a couple of other scriptures that we probably should look at together. One of those scriptures is one that I've often Turn to with you. Romans, the sixth chapter. Let's look at at verse six, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin, For the one having died has been freed from sin. The battle will be over as soon as you are willing to let the old person in you die and make a total commitment to Jesus Christ. You cross a threshold and you cross in victory where great joy wells up in your heart and great peace grows in your heart. And you say, I now have the victory and I am one with Jesus and I am on my way. Most people don't want to go there because they're not sure they want to give up everything and follow Jesus. I understand. It's a battle. We have to overcome. The word overcome has in it a meaning of fighting. You have to face the difficulty and put it down. And how do we do that? Well, I wasn't going to turn to this, but I think I need to. Let's go back to the book of of Revelation. I know you all know this passage of Scripture, but I need to read it to you, please, because it brings joy to my heart every time I read it, and it builds me up in the Spirit and makes me strong, and I say, yes, I can do this in Christ. This is Revelation, the 12th chapter. They, that is the Christians, the followers of Jesus, they overcame him, 
that is, they overcame the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, give me the victory by your blood. Wash me, cleanse me. Take the love of this, whatever it is, out of my heart. I reject it in the name of Jesus. I will not let this thing separate you from me, Jesus. And what is the word of my testimony? I have the victory in Jesus. Many of you have not prayed through until you have the victory in Jesus, so you've been slipping and sliding. Some of you have even struggled with demons. Some of you have even struggled with demons. Why? Because you won't cross that threshold and say, I now, by the blood of Jesus, have the victory, and I'm going to walk in that victory no matter what I feel like, no matter what happens. I am going to be victorious in Jesus because I'm going to win heaven. And I'm going to win it by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the word of my testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, look, even though I die, I will not turn aside from Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't call you to die, did he? In the flesh, he did in the spirit. But you have to die to that alcohol. And you're going to have to die to those drugs and you're going to have to die to that sexual uncleanness and you're going to have to die to that pride. You're going to have to die to the pride. You're going to have to humble your heart and recognize that you're nobody. And it doesn't matter what other people think of you or what they say to you. It only matters in your heart what Jesus Christ says about you. And I can tell you what he says about you. When you get that point, he says, you are my son and I love you. You are my daughter and I love you. And I will save you from your sin. And it's done. And you have the victory. I wish someone had told me when I was just a boy that there was a battle My dad did tell me that I had to try harder, but trying harder didn't do it for me. And I suspect that trying harder doesn't do it for you. We don't overcome sin by trying harder. We overcome sin by coming to Jesus and laying our life before him. We, we overcome the wickedness of our spirit by coming to Jesus and declaring his blood over our wickedness and then waiting before him, crying out for deliverance until we know that deliverance has come to our hearts. The victory is found in the blood of Jesus. 
and by the word of our testimony where we are going to turn away from sin even though it kills us, even though it destroys relationships, even though we lose friends, even though we lose money, it doesn't matter. I am going to give myself wholly to Jesus Christ and I will have the victory. There is a heaven to win and there is a hell to miss. this sixth chapter of the book of of Romans. So also, verse 11, you must think of yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, Lord, I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I am dead to that uncleanness. I am dead to that alcohol. I am dead to those drugs. I am dead to pride in my own life and my own ambition. I am dead to money. I die to the world. I have the victory. I'm in Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Great, that's a compliment. I don't mean to be earthly good. I mean to be heavenly good. Jesus knows what he's trying to accomplish in your life. And you're giving up the fight and saying, I'm just about to blow everything apart. I've had it. I can't stand this anymore. Look, I'm just going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to settle into my world. I know I'm going to die. It's okay. No, it's not. Jesus died for you, my brother. Jesus died for you, my sister. He loves you. And he's given you a way out. I've had to deal many times as a pastor with doing funerals for people who have suicided. And I've long felt and thought that suicide was a cheap way out. They were going to be in charge of their life, even if it meant dying to be in charge of their life. Now, I recognize that some suicides are mental illness through drug imbalance or other things, so I don't mean to speak specifically, but I'm being general now, I'm saying that when a man or a woman chooses suicide, and some of you may be considering that it is the coward's way out. It is murder. Murder of yourself. I know of people who have suicided who who wanted their way, and when they could not have their way, they said, I'm out of here. And so they killed themselves. There are some who would rather suicide than give themselves over to Jesus Christ. I pray you're not one of those. 
But you understand that if you don't gain the victory in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are committing suicide. Oh, not now. At the great judgment bar. Because you will be cast into the fire of hell. You're choosing to go to a place of punishment and burning and separation from God for eternity. You are choosing suicide. There's nothing courageous about choosing suicide. It is a coward's way out. You were not meant to die. You were not meant to be stolen away by the devil. You were meant to live a wonderful, happy, prosperous, good life. Being a servant of the Most High God for eternity. Being the bride of Christ. You have been given newness of life. The old man in Romans 6, is crucified. He is destroyed. Now, I shared before, this does not mean he is repressed. It doesn't mean he is put down. It means the old nature of sin in you, the scriptures say, is to be destroyed now. And you're living victory now. No longer taunted by the evil spirits, no longer taunted by darkness. Yes, my brother Alex has put up Revelation 21.8. He's right. Cowards are the first ones cast into hell. Did you know cowards will not go to heaven? Cowards are cast into hell. Cowards, people who will not engage in the battle for salvation. Who will not be crucified with Christ. But instead, insist on maintaining their own life. Verse 12, therefore, the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. And you must not yield your members. He's giving commands here. These are not suggestions. These are commands. You must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But once and for all, yield yourselves to God. As living out from among the spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. Sin is not to rule over us. And part of part of my struggle as a pastor, I come and I give these very straight holiness messages, calling you to get serious with Jesus. And you'll come along and you'll come along and then finally you'll say, you know what? I've come as far as I can come. I'm not going to listen to this man anymore. I'm going to turn him off. Okay. 
I'm not trying to win friends and influence people. I'm trying to speak honestly to you the word of the living God that would call you out of darkness into the light. But we're afraid of the light because we're afraid it'll reveal who we really are. Well, we're all deserving of death. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all called. Many are called, but few are chosen. You do not enter into the kingdom of God unless you have overcome. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 12. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things came to an end. Pay attention, he says. The all things have become new. Now the all things are out from God. The ones having reconciled, the one having reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. You notice, not reconciled us through our good behavior, not reconciled to us because we have personally overcome our sin. No, I can't overcome my sin. But Jesus in me, by the power of his blood, overcomes all sin. And I walk clean before Almighty God. Now there's another scripture we need to turn to. It's found over here in Galatians. Oh, I I love this scripture. This is so awesome to me. It's, it's like a drowning man being given a life preserver. Galatians, the fifth chapter. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use the freedom as an occasion for the flesh, but you must serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now I say, you must walk in the Spirit, and you absolutely cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh. Follow the fallen nature. You you can't fulfill the lust of that fallen nature that you have prayed through and gained the victory. Now the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Indeed, these things oppose each other. So that's where the battle is. That's where the war is. Is there a war in your soul? Are you fighting? Or are you fat and happy? Oh, I'm a Christian, but I haven't won the battle. But it's okay, because Jesus loves me unconditionally. No, somebody taught you a lie. There's no such thing as unconditional love. It's not found anywhere in the scriptures. It is a lie of the modern church. There is unfailing love, but there is not unconditional love. Two very different things. 
The Lord wants you. He's called you. Now, are you going to walk away? Do you want to leave? Now the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Indeed, these things oppose each other so that you may not do the things that you may desire. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are manifestations, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, indecency, idolatry, that is, Worshipping your idols. Worshipping your idols. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. It's very prominent in the church today. Divination. Hatred. Discord. Jealousies. Outbursts of wrath, strife, dissensions, false teachings, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelers, and things similar to these, which things I told you before, even as I said before, that the ones practicing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. My brother, my sister, I want you to inherit the things of God. They've been offered to you. He's called you. Are you willing to fight? Are you willing to fight the fight of faith? Are you willing to pray and stand up and say, by the blood of Jesus, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go where he sends me. I'm going to give what he tells me to give. I'm going to ask what he tells me to ask. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him. My heart belongs to Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In fact, the one or the ones who are of Christ crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, we should also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In fact, if one of you is overcome with sin, you who are spiritual, governed by the Spirit of God, must restore such a one in the Spirit, in humility, considering yourselves least, lest you be tempted by sin. You must bear the burdens of one another, and so you must fulfill the law of Christ. I come in every way possible to bear your burdens, to speak with love and compassion to you, and to call you to serve Jesus Christ, 
to get on your faces and pray and pray and cry aloud. If you get on your face before God and you have no words to speak, it's because there are idols standing in your way and they have to be dealt with. Ask Jesus, how do I deal with these idols? Some I can't even see, but I can't pray. There are no words for me to say to you, Jesus. Help me, rescue me, Jesus. And he will rescue you. I hope today's broadcast has been helpful to you. I'd love to hear from you. We're more than halfway through the month and we are not halfway there with finances to pay for this month's radio bill. This is one of the biggest months of the year, 23 broadcast days, and we have to pay by the day. Write to me, please. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You're welcome to come and worship with us. Don't come unless you're serious. This is not a spectator sport. It's not a drop-in church. We're serious about this walk with Jesus, and we're on our way to heaven. If you're looking for that kind of church, then come. Go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. All the information is there. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. It will be one hour open for you to call in and pray, to confess, to repent, to pray for the church. God bless you. I love you.